All right. Today I have Danica K. Boyette with me. She goes by DK. Mm-hmm. And um, she is a very successful woman in policing. Um, she was the first black female police officer at our local department. And I'm super excited to interview her. Um, thank you for being here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Um, all right. So let's jump in. I have a few questions for you. The first one being, tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about where you grew up, what your family was like, siblings, and all All that. So, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised. Um, I am the youngest by a lot. So, we were all like only children. So, um, I've got two older brothers. um, One who was estranged for most of my life. And uh, he came back into our lives man 2008 maybe yes yes 2008 um so but you know my mom worked at a bank and then she actually went back to school when I was in high school so and my dad taught school um he was a teacher he's a Vietnam vet um so I really had a good upbringing, you know, like I was the third one, you know, they had kind of figured it out. So I had a great childhood. My parents are two of the most amazing people ever. Um, unfortunately, my mom has Alzheimer's and we're dealing with that battle. Uh, so that's tough to watch. But, you know, my dad is amazing. Um, still, they set examples for me uh, day in and day out. Uh, so, you know, the, the, for better or for worse through sickness and in health, I mean, he is living. I've heard he adores her. He does. And it's just all about her. Is, I mean, like it's, it's amazing to watch and you know, he's, he's older. So when I got married, you know, at the bridal showers, you know, they give advice or whatever. And you know, my mom, you know, would tell me she was like, you know, I, I'm prepared to have to take care of him because he's older. Well, the tables have turned and he is taking care of her, you know. So um, it is an example. How much older is he than her? 11 years. Okay. And what's the age difference with you and your siblings? So um me and Jeff are 12 years, and that would make me and Ray 13 years wow. apart. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Dang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so totally two only children. Yeah, so how yeah. long have they been married? My mom and dad. Oh, Lordy. Um, 42, when did they get married in 79? I should know this. 42 years, I believe. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's 40s. It's a long time. Yeah. A long, long time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um... What were some lessons growing up um, that you were taught? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking only because we have a mutual friend that told me this, that you were taught how to handle money at a young age. Um, Can you go into that a little bit? Okay. So let me tell you what my parents did. So I worked at the skate center for like, I started my junior year. So obviously I had a job. And I got a refund, a tax refund. They never told me about said refund. 
Because what they would do is go file my taxes and just put it in a bank account. I didn't realize that there was such thing as a tax refund till like my freshman year of college and everybody's talking about a tax refund. And I called him and I was like, what's this about a tax? I've had a job. And he was like, well, we figured when you had sense enough to come ask, then you deserved it. So, I mean, that obviously started, you know, and of course, you know, they're big. He's big on spare change. You know, his dad was a farmer at tobacco. He raised tobacco in, in Port Royal, Tennessee, which is right outside of Adams, Tennessee, where the Bell Witch is from. And so, you know, you know, granddaddy and great granddaddy, they were always big on coins and half dollars and, you know, all that. So he bought, my dad bought my brother's first car with spare change that he just saved. Oh my God. Just the pennies that you put in your pocket. Because that, that penny is going to make a dollar. And we still do that now. I mean, we we actually have a bag full of money that we got to take for the, to put the kid in the kid's bank account. Just pennies and nickels and dimes. And So he was just a big saver. Mm-hmm. What about managing money? Yeah. I mean, he, he well, okay. He's a tightwad. <laughs> Let's just go. He's a tightwad. And he, he, um, oh man, when it comes to spending a lot of money, like he wants to buy a new car now and he can absolutely afford it, but you know, he's got an excuse. Well, and he'll go and try to, you know, he'll go and look at it and then walk away and now they're going to come down. You know, like he just, he does not like to spend money, especially big purchases. It took him forever to buy a house, like to buy a house. You know, my mom wanted to, we lived in this little duplex off Dickerson Road growing up till I was six years old. And just making those big purchases were tough. But when the drunk lady down the street ran through the picket fence where we were playing outside at the duplex, that was enough for him to be like, you know what? It's time. This time. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna buy us a house, you know. And and they were in Amway. And interesting. Uh, yes. So they did Amway and and through happenstance they met um, a family um, from Hartsville, Tennessee, and um, that owned a nursing home. They and owned a nursing they, home. This family that they own a nursing home, great family, friends tried and true, phenomenal people, all cut from a different cloth. Like that friendship was amazing, and they were vital in me being who I am. And but they own a nursing home. But I guess that Amway detergent was like hyperallergenic. So they were buying it from my parents, and that is how a lot. That's oh a big part of how they bought their first, bought the house that they live in. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh Just my gosh! How past meet, and I mean, they were phenomenal friends till they were an older couple, so they both passed on. But man, a great set of people. So not only was it a great friendship that helped them, that mentored them to be a better parent to me but you know what that's awesome yeah so was he strict or did he make you open a bank account early oh yes yeah actually actually the bank account we have my grandmother my mom's mom opened for us so when we were little like very small okay and so since like as soon as my kids were born they had bank accounts so birthdays 
my kid, he's six years old. Now we're getting to the point now where I can't get away with telling people, listen, if you really want to buy him a, a present, just give him $5 because number one, it's easier on you. And don't go waste your money on a toy that we're going to step on and throw away. Right. When I can take that money and invest it for him. So. So when are you going to include him in that? Or have you already? Like going to the bank and making a deposit? So now he's, he is six. And he, like when he gets spare change, it's a big deal. Like we just make it a big deal. We put your money in the bank. Put it in the bank account. And then you're going to watch it grow. So we're just now getting into it. And so. My friend's brother-in-law works at a bank, and so I'd like to set that up for him to go because he wants to go to the bank and see how, you know. Do the whole thing. Yeah, do the whole the thing. The whole experience. Yeah, and he's been telling her he wants to be a banker. Oh, my gosh. Like, he wants to, and I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome to pass that down mm-hmm. to your kids. Yeah. And then hopefully he'll in turn pass it down to his. I hope so, yeah. And, awesome. and the babies, you know, they have their little bank account. And, you know, like even... But people don't, if you just take, so we have three kids. So $20 a kid, a paycheck, that's 60 bucks that we will spend on something dumb. McDonald's. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you start when they're young, you're, it's just growing. And I had, so in my policing career, my FTO, which is a field training officer. So I'm a rookie and I, you have somebody riding with you. He took me to HR, like the signups were coming in. And he was like, I don't care what you put in, but you are young. You are single. You have no excuse to start this now. So I started my 457 account as a rookie, like almost 20 years ago. And I've never, you don't miss it. He's right. I've never missed any of that money that I've been invested in. And that's where a lot of people get so behind, like, like, you know, you could have been doing that. Yeah. So have you increased it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anytime, like, we get a raise, I increase it. And then, and so, instead of the um, 529, I believe it is for kids, which is, like, for college, we just opened up a Roth for the kids. Just because it's a little bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the return was a little bit better. So. So do you work with... uh, a money person, a financial yeah, we, planner. Well, right now we are lucky enough at the city to have those. Um, okay. But now, whenever I retire, then I will have to get my own. You have but, to roll it over. Yes, from four fifty-seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of well, and I'll probably roll over my Roth, my Roth IRA. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right. So after um, high school and school and all of that, you went into college. Mm-hmm. What did you major in? I majored in sociology and I minored in criminology and business administration because at the time you couldn't major in criminology here. Now you can. So that's an interesting, right? Interesting major and minor. Yeah. Like if you like the people watch sociology, just groups of people. Yeah. I'm here for it. (laughs) So, so I'm assuming that's what led you to policing. Yes. Okay. So how did that happen? I have got to hear this story. Well, Okay. I, from the time I was little, my mom would say, you were always obsessed, like, the, you were always attracted to the police, because I love cars, and she said, when you put together that the police were in the cars, you just, 
gravitated towards them. And growing up, like, I would say it, you don't want to be a police officer. I want to be a police officer. But then, you know, you get through high school, and then I think at one point I wanted to be a bone marrow transplant specialist, which, well, let's just say, don't have the brains for that science. (laughs) So, um, and then I was going to be an Olympic softball player. And, um, well, you know, obviously none of those panned out. So, um, and even in high school, though, I was thrown around, I want to be a police officer thing. And then the military came in there, um, but that didn't pan out. And so my junior year here at Western, they opened up an internship at the Bowling Green Police Department. And I was the first of three to do it. And... Um, we, I got my internship and like the last semester, which I guess would have started in January. And so I graduated in May of 2003 and I took a class intro to law enforcement. And the professor was then a major at the police department who was promoted during this time to the chief and Went through the process at the end, got hired. I mean, it was just the smoothest process, you know, graduated in May, got hired in June. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So do you have any family law enforcement? None. Military, yes, but nobody. No family? Mm-mm. Okay, so what was it like being the first black female officer? Back then, I'm sure the department was a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. But we were just talking right now it's up to 129 mm-hmm. sworn officers obviously mm-hmm. probably close to 200 people at the department total oh yeah yeah um but yeah. so what was that like for you initially starting I mean, out did you notice no and you know and the thing it I, I just landed in a place where they had no other black females you know it's just okay. weird you know i definitely wasn't seeking it out um and it was you know the chief at the time was phenomenal he, you know, handled that really good. And I mean, nobody, I mean, like, it was a big deal initially, you know, when I got hired, you know, news interviews and things. Yeah, but you're all first. Of, yeah. All in all, though, it was, it was very smooth. You know, nobody, I've really had a good experience. Like, that's awesome. I really have. That's awesome. You know. So do you, so there were other, I'm assuming there were black males yes. on the force. Yes. Probably not too many, though. Mm, let's see I got hired with a biracial male and then there was maybe two I'm trying to think I may be missing one in there but I think there was just two other black males in the whole and department. then one had just retired yeah so probably just say a hundred people yeah is that they, fair a hundred a hundred sworn yeah hundred sworn mm-hmm. okay okay so definitely minority yeah oh yeah Okay. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so, um, going through your career, I know you're a sergeant now mm-hmm. and have been for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of struggles or adversity did you have, whether in the community or within the department? Um, and I'm sure there's a mile long list of different things that yeah. have happened, but is there anything in particular that? you'd be willing to share that kind of stood out and that might maybe taught you something or you were able to, to grow from or, you know, well, a lot, of course the black community was very happy, you know, but almost like at some point and not all like 
you know, she's here for like, she's here for us and we could, but I still have to uphold the law. Like, you know, it's not a free pass. Right. You know, so there's that. Um, what about the white community? Any issues there? I mean, not out of the ordinary, not anything that I guess any black officer wouldn't experience from time to time. You know, you've got, you know, people get drunk and they're going to drop the N-bomb. They're going to, you know, it, it is, I mean, it happens still all the time. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is preparation from your family, I think, how to handle it. You know, my, you know, when I talked about it, you're, it's going to happen and you got to let it. Let it ride. Yeah. And that's the way. Let it roll. And what, here's what I have learned in the last year and just other situations that have happened is that's probably not the best method to teach your kid how to survive. Because if you keep letting it roll, it's going to keep happening. Mm, Okay. And at some point you got to stop letting it roll. And that sets the example for citizens and people within the agency together. So how do you address that? Like, how do you put an end to it? I mean, you just, right there when it happens. Like, come on now. That ain't cool. Which really, and, and, and let me be clear, we are very fortunate in our agency. We've got a lot of intelligent people who, you know, have principles and stand behind, you know, but, and it's so funny I was on a call one time um with a guy that I worked with he's a little older and you know the girl she just she just looked at me she was mentally delayed but you know she's she goes you're black I was like I am (laughs) he got so mad like that's a white officer yeah and that's kind of what we get more like you'll see a lot of the white officers getting mad for us You know, we're kind of like, hey, it's just, it is what it is, you know, but they get mad for us, you know, and oh man, he was furious. And I was like, she, I'm black. I am like, (laughs) does it bother you that they get mad or take up your offense? No, 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 no. I I mean, you know, because at least, you know, you got support, you know, like their hearts is definitely in the right place. And, um, and the support, you know, because they don't, you know, they're being, trying to be protective of me. And the other officers. So, so as a woman, mm-hmm. um, in the police department, coming up through the police department, being promoted, and all of that, was was there any specific challenges there? I think initially, as a woman police officer, I think the guys just need to know that you can handle yourself when it gets tough. When people get belligerent. And that's not always, people automatically assume that they want us to be able to fight. But what they really want, most of the guys just want, like, if you can talk them down, they're here for that. Use that. Right. (laughs) Because you don't want to fight. Like, that's a headache and a half with the paperwork and the this and the that. So they're more appreciative of us having that ability to talk them down. But a lot of women don't understand that. Or you can see when they come in, they don't understand it because they think they got to be big and bad and fight. Yeah, prove them yeah. Physically. Now, yeah. And if the fight gets on, I mean, you, know, you need to be able to hang in there. You know, don't lay down. Don't go right. You signed up for this. Yeah. You, right. you know? Don't run off. Yeah. yeah. 
like you know fights are gonna happen or it's gonna get but the guys really appreciate a lot of if you you know if if my demeanor calms somebody they're here for that and what i tell every new female is be yourself don't come in here and try to be somebody you're not you know you come in here hollering and what we call the chihuahua yapping 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 behind the big guy it's not just be you right there's no push for you to be somebody that you're not but you gotta think a lot of times a lot of people start in this career they're young young 20s you're trying to find yourself period so then we give them a badge and a gun to uphold the law and they're still trying to find themselves and then you're in this this role that you know it takes a type a it takes a strong person a strong personality to do this job that's a lot of i think mental conflict you know um that it's a lot for young folks to work through so having children mm-hmm. while being an officer mm-hmm. and start where you were already sergeant for yes. all three yeah yep right mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about that. You talking about the seeing things two different ways. Um, before I had kids, it was, you know, it was it was a lot easier. It was a lot easier, but you add kids to it. So what's the hard part? Like the managing going home to the kids after your day yes um getting them where they need to go beforehand like the mom stuff all or yeah did the job change for you because you're a mom um definitely time management because now we have three kids that have to be taken care of their ages so i have a six-year-old and two one-year-olds oh my gosh (laughs) which the two one-year-olds were somewhat of a surprise um because i was 39 when i had them so 39 three kids and a full-time job a demanding job where i'm on call um so getting so the logistics of making sure everyone's taken care of and then you know sometimes i'm in a the best position that i could be in i'm very thankful for that right now in the role that i'm in um so that helps um but dealing with dealing with kids on the street you know and then you know like especially if it reminds me anything of my children it's a lot harder it's a lot people look at police officers as robots but we are human and we have emotions and those emotions have gotten a little harder to fight now that i have kids when you see just kids and bad spots and um and it just makes you you know i'm not obviously not as reckless with my life (laughs) you know because i have a family to go yes yeah i've got four people that are depending you know that need me you know my husband my kids you know so but um you know so it's it definitely changes big time there So in your, in your career, you know, you've promoted to sergeant. Did that look any different for you than anyone else? 
um, being a woman to in the promotion process? We had, there were, well, there were several other women promoted before me. We had a lieutenant colonel that retired while I was there. And then there were, when I got promoted, I think we had three already promoted. So, which is pretty good considering the number of females. Right. Okay. Yeah. And even now in an agency that's a complement of 129, if my numbers serve me correctly, we have 19 females. Wow. Maybe 20 now. We just had one. It's gone we just hired one. So we're well above the national average. But I think when you come here and you're in Bowling Green, seeing a woman in uniform is not out of the ordinary. So other women see that they can be that. And I think that's what helps us okay. a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Facilitate the growth of female applicants. Yes. Yeah. Like I, we, we have had a female in just about every process that I can remember that we've hired, like in the last several years. That's awesome. Yeah. There's been at least a female. That's great. And at least one. Are you finding the females are more diverse or are they more, um, or more of a diverse group? Yeah, they're getting, yeah, they're getting diverse because since I've been hired, we've added on two more black females. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and a Hispanic female. All needed for sure. hundred percent. Um, so, so you said in the community, you don't really face too much. I mean, as far as you being a black officer yeah. or sergeant, right. sorry. I know. <laughs> um, so what about being a female? Do, do you, have you found pushback more so for that? Not really, but here's what saves us. You know, we're in the South. And I've said this, you know, there's still that respect level um, that sometimes we can still get. And that goes back into playing, play your cards, play the cards you got, you know. Um, I really can't say that I've had a lot of pushback. I mean, because it's all about how you carry yourself, too. And you're tough. Well. I know that. (laughs) I know that you're tough. I, I, you know, we just, you gotta. You have to be, right? You, you, you do. You have to. You, and, you, and like, not only tough, you know, physically, but it's got to be mentally and emotionally. Right. You know, and that's for everybody, man and woman, to right. do this job. Right. Yeah. And policing. Yes. Yeah. So. Not really. I mean, they're. You may deal with a certain nationality that you have to know their culture. You know, sometimes, you know, there's some, you know, Bowling Green is a very diverse community. A lot of different nationalities. So some cultures, you know, it's not their thing to address a woman. If you're addressing a man, you know, they don't. So you have to work through that. But that's where the city and the agency keeps the officers educated so when you encounter that you know how to deal with it so the city also has um Lado mm-hmm. Lado Becker Becker mm-hmm. she also is out in the community yes and I'm, I'm imagining that helps oh yeah 
having a community mm-hmm. liaison for yes. for things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. So in the department, um, like inside the department, you know, you hear, and honestly, I have a little bit of firsthand knowledge of this department, um, but you hear of other agencies almost being like a fraternity, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's hazing or, um, you know, there being bad cops and, and all of that. It, it, within the agency that you work in, are you, have you experienced any of that? Is, was there a day of that that's no more? Like of hazing? Uh, well, of, of anything like that. Like within the department, any kind of um, injustices or no. or anything like that? Not 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 at my agency. You know, the funniest thing, and, and I still think this is the greatest, funniest thing ever a retired sergeant used to do. So he sends Christmas cards to... He would send Christmas cards to everybody in the agency. But if you were a rookie, you know that little fine confetti oh my gosh. that goes everywhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kind he, that everybody hates to get? Yes, yes. He would load your, the rookies. He would load your card, I mean, packed, full of that stuff. And he would send you the card. So when you're sitting at home and you open it and it went, goes everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Like, the day that I still, the day that I moved out of the apartment that I lived in, it was still in the carpet. <laughs> you know, like that was literally the word. And it's funny. And, you know, kudos yeah. to him for thinking about it because that's a real good idea. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the department um, and how it's changed over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and there was a time where the Bowling Green department wasn't, it, it just didn't have a great reputation right. years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, you know, even with all of the mayhem from the last couple of years, the Bowling Green department keeps, um, we've got a good batch of people. We do. I mean, we have, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned for my kids. I'm not concerned for my friend's kids. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really great to see a, a great set of officers and having worked with them Mm -hmm. um and in my position there I kind of worked with the higher level just because I was um up in that area it's the leadership you know the new chief Mm -hmm. um the people that have been promoted behind him you know those people I they're they're great and it's it's awesome to be in a place where the department it's they care about the community they're involved in the community mm-hmm. they do things to make sure the community's taken care of they participate in marches yes and walks and all that yes. and i so appreciate that yes as a citizen and a former police department employee and being married to a retired police mm-hmm. captain i so appreciate that yes um and i think you know i wish departments across the country did that because it would yeah. you know we were talking about planning uh, deposits, making deposits in the community. Mm-hmm. So when a withdrawal happens, it's not so, so devastating. So yeah. Yeah. So that it's awesome. proactive work is key to the success in the, any agency building trust in their community. Um, and you gotta, you gotta be ahead of the curve before it happens bad. You, you've got to build your community partners and you've got to slowly build that trust 
with your community. Um, you know, I wish everybody felt like you. Um, you can't get everybody. You can't keep everybody happy, especially when part of your job is to put them in jail when they do wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, but I still think, all in all, we're doing pretty good um, because of those things. Being involved in the community and and in all parts of town and all the neighborhood events and and the department starting to look like the community. Yes. yes. The diversity over yes. the last several years mm-hmm. has been incredible. Yes. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. We don't need, we need people, you know, enforcing the law to look like everyone. Absolutely. Not just, yep. you know, yes. one race. Yeah. You know, and when, you know, it's a couple summers ago when things just really got out of hand, you know, it really, it's all about how you react to the situation. And I think the way that our leadership reacted to that, you know, they were criticized by some officers for, or people in the, you know, for maybe not handling the way they thought it should be. But I will still stand behind the reaction and the way that we reacted as an agency to those situations. You know, we welcomed them here, you know, and our chief got right down there with them walked with him, introduced himself and talked. And, you know, once they saw that we're not here to, we're not, it's not a, it's not a fight. It's not a push, push against each other. You know, you guys have the right to stand out here. And as long as you're out of the road and taken care of, you know, and there was even an incident in one of them where a car came by and bumped. I remember that. Yeah. And we reacted because, you know, the police. Yes, and we, we were, and, and handled the problem, and they respected the fact that the that the problem was handled the way it was. You know, the big there was a big um, rally down at Circus Square, and we were very ready to react, but it didn't have to be seen that we were ready. Does that make sense? You know, we had people down there mixing and mingling. But we were very much prepared to react if it got bad. That's the way it should be. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you respond to that forceful and, you know, with the. The shields and the line of officers in full gear. Yeah. With their batons. Yeah. When it's not needed. If if, if we come like that, then what are we saying? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I still will stand behind the, the their reaction to how to how to handle that was was phenomenal and it was a gamble i mean that was a big decision i i would say for our chief to make to 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 have that reaction because you know had it gotten out of hand you know he probably would have had to answer for that too but it didn't um and it was it was and he was right in the mix right in the mix yeah i mean but it's handled great you know so like I said, I would not want his job. You know, starting this when I started, I was like, my goal, I want to be the chief. But now, knowing what I know, that's just a lot. There, there's a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, he handles it very well. He balances as well. He can't keep everybody happy because, you, you know. People are people. People are people. And keeping 129 type A, don't move the cheese off my cracker people happy is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I still think he manages it very well. He does. So, um, and you know, that's why he's in that position. 
Right. That's why he is fit for that spot. Our community needed a black chief. Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm so glad it panned out the way it did. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you know, there was other great candidates, but mm-hmm. when the rubber met the road, it's, you know, they made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, we were, it was a win-win situation, you know, when it came down to who got it. And so. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, but, you know, they're all still working together to, you know, run a good ship. Right. You know, it gets wavy at times, <laughs> you know, but, but we work through it, you know? Yeah. So. So, um, another question I have for you is, or not really question, but, um, you are married to a white man. I am. Has that posed any issues for you being a black female? No, only because I'm, if you knew me, you knew that I was going to marry a white man. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that mean? Like, I mean, just it, it, you know, like you may like strawberry ice cream. That's just, <laughs> you know, it, I don't, you know, uh, it was no shock to anybody. <sighs> The hardest part, you know, when all this was going on, I'm black. I'm an officer. I have black men whom are my family, whom I care a lot about, that I don't want to see those things happen to. But at the same time, I'm married to a white man. You know, not all white men are bad. Right. You know, and, you know, there's a, you know, for some people, that's just automatic. I guess that was that was part of my question before we started recording. Mm-hmm. You know, with you being a a um, black female officer sergeant, mm-hmm. and um, with all of the the protests and things like that that have happened, you know, being black mm-hmm. and an officer, that's why I was wondering yeah. if this was if it was conflicting to you at all. And then now you're saying with Rex, that's kind of where the conflict came in. Well, I just felt pulled in a lot of different directions. You know, like, you know, I wanted to take up like, you know, listen, not all of us police are bad. Nope. Not every black man is bad. Right. You know, so I, w- I, I was rooting for everybody. <laughs> you know, I felt <laughs> like like. I felt like I was constantly at battle for somebody, just depending on what group I was in. You know, I may have, you know, not every black person is bad. Not every, just because they're black and they're out here protesting what they want doesn't mean they're bad people. They're not heard. That's right. And when people aren't heard, it's the way we respond. But then... I work for a phenomenal agency. We train hard. We try to make sure and take the steps that in this community, we do everything right. And that, I mean, you have to be proactive. You know, we train, we train, we train, we train, we train probably more than any typical agency. Because, number one, we're fortunate to have a lot of resources right here. Don't you think that's part of the issue in these other places where there was such a problem? The lack of training. Yes. And lack yes. of resources. And people don't realize how much money and time and resources that proper police training takes. 
So you got these small agencies, they don't have that. They might go do their 40 hours of whatever in service a year and that's it. Is where we get to shoot and practice marksmanship multiple times a year. We have an in-house training unit. Unit. Yes, where we train on all the things from first aid to active shooter response to um, ground fighting. Yes, all of driving, whatever. Yes, once a year. And like we actually have, it's called a T&E system, which is a virtual system that we can we put officers in you have to do it twice a year um that you go through scenarios and the person that's operating the system can manipulate that scenario depending on how you're reacting so basically and like it's a shoot or no shoot situation mm-hmm. and it puts and but you get to practice with all your different tools your taser your oc spray your your gun your baton um but to put you in that situation before you get in the real situation of making that snap decision, we have that. Yeah. You know, not everybody has those benefits. Right. And along with that, see accountability. Because mm-hmm. you're being trained to be trained mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. Not just go do this fun thing. And right. Done. Yes. Yes. You learn yes. from it. Yes. Which some of the smaller agencies or the ones that aren't funded as well. Mm-hmm don't have that right ability Mm -hmm. yeah so we are very fortunate to have those things do you think that do you think I guess it's a perfect storm really because if if the department hires for character and integrity the best they can Mm -hmm. and then you have the training to back or you know to train for skill Mm -hmm. right I mean that that the outcome of that has to be good. Right. And then, and then having the leadership that wants the agency out in the community and, and doing all of that, it just, it just sounds like really a perfect storm. I mean like every, not perfect storm, I'm sorry, but the perfect scenario. Yes. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Is, is handled from every angle. Yeah. And still remember that we're human, you know, so, right. You know, we call it, we call it Murphy shows up, <laughs> you, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> right. And there's lots of unknowns dealing with people. Oh yeah. I mean, you just never know, you never what, know. what's going to happen. You never know. And the thing about policing is that you can never, when you go to a call, it's going to be different every time. There is nothing that will ever be the same. There is no case that is ever the same. So, to be able to respond to that, I mean, you have to have. That's where the training kicks in, yes, right? Yes, and because, awareness, yes. and you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you have to have all the tabs open. All the tabs, like if if you can't run with at least five mental tabs open, then policing is not for you. And five mental tabs is a good day. Yeah, I'm Usually sure it's like 10. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hear a lot of times, and I don't know if this is true in other places, but I know the local department here, there's no quota for giving tickets. No. Sometimes there's overtime for traffic control, right? Yes. Yeah. But there's no quota no. for giving tickets yes. or anything no. like that. No. Isn't that funny when you hear yeah. that? I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> 
No. They had to meet their quota. They yeah. gave me a ticket. Yeah. No quota. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> so you're seven, 18 and a half yep. years yep. into mm-hmm. your career. So in theory, you could retire in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And you're how old? 40. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. So I know we talked a little bit about it. So um, you think you might have a few more years in you? Or do you think you want to try something new? It completely depends on what it looks like when I get to the finish line. (laughs) You know, because I, you know, I do have three still small kids. And I do want to be a mom. You know, I want to be able to know that I can go to the games and the plays or whatever. You yeah, know. and right now in the position you have, you get called out. Yes. So that's hard in the evenings mm-hmm. even. Yeah. So you just never know. Yeah. We didn't know if we could do this tonight. Mm-hmm. Or I was wondering. I'm like, okay, I don't know if she'll be called yeah. out or not, but I'm yeah. going to pencil her in. Yeah. And see how it goes. Yeah. And so, you know, just being able to not have to have that worry. Yeah. To just be able to be a hundred percent involved in their lives because let's see the twins will be about three and then my oldest will be going on eight you know that's right in the thick of it Mm -hmm. you know and so it would be nice to do the mom thing you know and just you know you know you got weekends off and you know you got holidays off and you know that would be nice, but at the same time, this gets in your blood. And mm-hmm. it's like to think, it, to not be a part of it. Because when you go back to like the fraternity part of it, mm-hmm. the the bond, the, you know, the esprit de corps, so we call it. I don't, it, it's hard to just not picture myself having that. You know, not being involved in that. So how, over the years, how has this affected your relationships? Or do you tend to gravitate just towards police friends? Like, have, have your has your friend group changed? Or has it pretty much stayed the same and it's people you've come up with? or? Oh, well, a little bit of both. When I got into it, they kept saying, you know, your friends are going to walk away from you. When you're a cop, your friends are going to walk Everything away. Everything changes. Everything and- changes. Not for me. I mean, but I'm not wealthy in a lot of things, but I'm wealthy in friends. That's excellent. And I still like my friends from college, my friends from high school. Like, you know, my my close girlfriends in each one, you know, we're still we don't see each other every day, but we're still tight, mm-hmm. you know, and that's such a blessing. Um, have you leaned on them a lot during this process, during your career? Yeah, yeah. I've Yes, yes. They have gotten me through some of the hardest times. And then I do have a lot of friends. There have been a lot of people that are in my life now who will be in my life forever that wouldn't have been had it not been for my job and where I work. Um, just friends and, and relationships that I've made. Um, so uh, it's been the best of both worlds, really. So your husband, tell me um, as much as you can what he does for a living. I know it's not policing, mm-hmm. but it is for the government. Is that right? Yes. 
I mean, he works full time um, for the Tennessee National Guard. Okay. Um, he has been in the military. Okay. All three he's done. He started out as in the reserves. Um, I believe his mom had to sign a waiver. He was like 17. Um, and so he was in the reserves until 9-11 hit. And that was really about the time he uh, was going to do like computer graphic design stuff. Well, you know, the market was tanking and well, 9-11 hit and he was like going active so he went active um for 12 years he got hurt wow. he is airborne so a lot of jumping a lot of hitting the ground mm. stuff on your body mm. um so uh he got out and sometimes all i want to wring his neck i'm like why didn't you just go do a different job <laughs> but you know you're in special forces that's the fun stuff right right and so I, why didn't you just do a different job and you could have you know retired, retired. Yeah. but we wouldn't never have met because he was in Fort Campbell when we met and nine times out of 10, that would have taken him to another post. Right. So, um, he was went, army army. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he went back into the guard for a while and then, um, since, you know, he's gotten out and so he works, does basically his military job that he did in military, but on the civilian side, if that makes sense. So that's what he does. Still, with the military, but mm-hmm. as a civilian. Yes. And how yeah. long has he been doing that? Oh, Lord. Um, this particular spot, five years. In this, in Nashville, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He worked at Fort Campbell, too. So he we has a, he definitely has a leg up, an understanding, you know, military and police are kind of hand in hand, right? He has an, yeah. an yes. understanding of what you're yes. doing. The biggest thing that I appreciated about him when we met is that when I would date, a, there would be like a jealousy. Either you would date a guy and all they want to do is talk about guns and talking about being a cop and they'd get little man syndrome, being secure because I'm a cop. And, you know, like I when I go to work, I'm with other guys, you know, and that was a struggle for other guys that I dated. But I didn't have to go through that. He understood that. Like, he got it. And that was, like, when we met, one of the biggest things that I appreciated was his. He got it. Yeah. He wasn't insecure. Like, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I know, you know, with my husband being retired um, from the police department, every time we go somewhere or meet somebody, they want to show him all the guns. All the guns. All the, and always he's the guns. like, a gun is a tool that I had for my last job, which I no longer need for my daily life mm-hmm. you know and he's like if i see one more damn gun mm-hmm. i'm like i don't i don't care about i don't have you know a room full of guns right nobody cares yes <laughs> yes it's it was part of my uniform it was you know like it wasn't mm-hmm. you know yeah. i wouldn't tore up about it but yeah. i guess some cops are yeah some are right? i mean they love you know some of them love them and you know i'm i, I i've got some yeah, but yeah, so do we. But yeah, but you know, I'm not gonna pull them out and somebody shows up. And no, like, oh, you're a cop. Here, yeah. let me show you my gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like. It's just so funny. But that was oh man, that was always the thing. Let's look at all these guns. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, yeah, it's like literally. That's the best way. It's a tool. Yeah, it's a tool. tool. And, and you know, they're fun. They go with your friends, and you know, go on an outing and yeah. shoot them from time to time. That's a fun hobby from here right. to time to time. But you know. I'd rather play fantasy football. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this probably last thing. Do you have any regrets? Like, not regrets 
of things you've done in your career, but do you regret your journey? Like, do you regret the career path you chose at all? I'll tell you, my biggest regret is not following through with doing the military side of it as well. Huge regret there. So you wanted to do both? Mm -hmm. You wish you would have done both? Yes, absolutely. Is that, why is that? Just, it's just like that unfulfilled passion. Um, What did you want to do in the military? That's a good question. uh, Because I didn't really get far into it. I mean... Which branch did you want to join? Air Force. Okay. Maybe CID, like the, which is, you know, the, the detective division of the military. I'm an Air Force brat. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the military base. Yeah. I was, uh, Air Force is, is what I would have tried for and, you know, done. Because I often wonder, like, well, number one, financially. Right. Two pensions, girl. And I would have had that one knocked out. Yeah. Uh, so financially, I regret it. Um, but just, it's just like that, that one little hole, like, you yeah. know, the, and I can't really explain it, but it would have been something like, you know, CID or maybe even because a small part of me wanted like medical nursing or something like that, you know, trauma, you know, I was that kid, I watched rescue 911, <laughs> you know, like I was about all the things, you know, so I hate that part. Um, and I probably could have seen a lot of the world, but yeah. I probably would have been fighting that award. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it didn't happen. Yeah, lots happened since then. Exactly. In yes. Our world. Yes. So uh, there's a reason, and I'm probably pretty certain that had that panned out, I wouldn't be here sitting on this couch talking to you. Right. So then there's that. So I have yeah. to look at it like it worked the way it was supposed to. You know, when you were just saying that, it made me think too. Is you know having your kids later in your career Mm -hmm. while by some measurements I might be late or later. Yeah. But like now you have the option though, you're about to retire Mm -hmm. or you can retire. And even if you don't for a while, you have the option of raising them how you want to Yeah. in a way that you want to. And honestly, not many people get that. No. No. Especially having a pension, a full yeah. pension, and um, having been through all the things that you've been through. I mean, so what kind of mom do you think you're going to be when they get older? Are you going to, like, are you going to be like a helicopter mom where you're like, oh, I don't do that thing? Yeah. Or do you think you're just going to be like, okay, you'll learn, you'll learn on your own? Well, I'm already kind of like, you'll learn on your own. <laughs> I, the littles like to run on the couch. This is an example. Today, before I left, you know, do you want to, okay. I'm going to let you run on this couch and you're going to fall fall off off. and it's going to (laughs) hurt because I'm tired of Jay, you know, as where my husband is like, you know, he's get down, get down. You know, he's the more, he's the more helicopter. Helicopter. Um, Does he have any old, any other children? No. No. Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, Which was very odd for us to meet that late in life and him not have any kids. Yeah. So so. is he around your age? Um, We are five years apart. Okay. Yeah. He's 46. No, six years apart. We're six, five, six years apart. Okay. So, um, but, you know, being a police officer, you see a lot of parenting examples. Oh, gosh. Where people can do better. (laughs) 
where people did that's, a good job. That's putting it very nicely yeah. where people could do better. Um, so, you know, I really just want to have an open dialogue with my kids and being honest. I think that's, that is something that in past times as a society, we have not done the best at being honest with our children. They're people, they're humans. You got to be real with them. We're raising adults. Exactly. And so you can't, you can't, you can't water stuff down, you know? It doesn't nobody need to. No. And I am about, you know, we're going to love all the people. It's not, no, no, it's not our decision to decide who we love and we're not. You know, you got to just be a good, nice person. Be kind. You know, that's just, that's really what I, especially my six-year-old, you know, because we're getting into socializing and mm-hmm. just be kind to people. Just, you know, somebody's having a hard day or you see the new kid that's coming in and they're sitting by themselves. Go try to be their friend. Like, but I'm just the honesty, especially with my daughter, mm. both of them. But, you know, I think she's one. Yes, yeah, she's one. But. You know, for her to be one of the, you know, because I'm going to raise her. You could be any one of these awesome women on this wall. And her attitude, I mean, she might. (laughs) But, oh my God. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dumb it down. I'm not, I'm not going to baby you, you know. Did your parents, um, I know we talked about them giving you great financial, even if they didn't intend to. Mm Passing on great financial, um, you know, the handling of money and saving and things Mm -hmm. like that. Did your parents talk to you about the hard things or was it something that you just kind of didn't really talk about? Uh, I mean, did you know anything was ever wrong? Was anything ever wrong? I mean, we'll see. And that's where I was blessed. You know, like I I just, you know, they got along. They loved (laughs) each other. Yeah. They loved each other. I mean, you know, there would be difference of opinions, but they, you know, I want parents like yours, (laughs) but you know, by the time I came along, they had it worked out too. Yeah. You you know, like I was the last one. So that's where I totally winning over here for that. Right. You know, so I think that was a lot of it. They had it, they had it worked out. Um, you know, because they'd done it. But, you know, the biggest thing is they didn't let me quit. Okay. They did not. If you started something, you finished it. finish it. You know, like. I have a hard time. So I have two boys. They're nine years apart. Mm-hmm. One is 21 and one is 12. Both birthdays are next month. And my oldest son I didn't like, I was, I don't say hard on him board games. I didn't let him win. Like we, but the boy can beat me in everything right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to admit that to him, but he can beat me in anything. Mm -hmm. My youngest one, if I know he's older, if I beat him in something, he's a terrible loser because I let him win. Mm -hmm. And we, I was a different person because they're nine years apart, right? I had the first one at, 19 Mm -hmm. second one at 28 so I was a totally different person by then but I know going through my divorce I made the decision that I was going to be honest with them and tell them the truth about life Mm -hmm. it's not like 
there's stuff that happens that's not great. There's right. wonderful things that happen. But for me, I was not, my parents didn't share that information with me. And it was so important. I, there, there was an incident in my family that I had to kind of make a decision. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to tell the truth mm-hmm. or I'm going to keep the family secret. And I, at that point, decided to tell my boys the truth. Yeah. Especially the oldest one. And I'm telling you, I have that, that changed everything for me because he now, um, he, he knows as much as I can possibly have told him, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things you don't tell. Right. Him, you no, know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But for the most part, they, he knows everything. Yeah. And I think he is a better human for it. He's a better adult mm-hmm. because of it. He's going to respect you more for it. I mean, shit happens. Yeah. Like, it's not, things just don't poof and appear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to work long hours. Yeah. Sometimes you, you know, you cry when things happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't do you right. Yeah. You know. That's a big one. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge one. Oh, like, my gosh. People, that is huge. Sometimes people will not do you right. You cannot put trust. I mean, don't expect everybody to put in what you give. Nope. And people are going to let you down. You know, one of my f- best friends told me, you know, to expect nothing and then you'll never be let down. Mm-hmm. I struggled with that for a long time because I'm like, damn, there's certain things I should be able to expect from pe- certain people. Mm-hmm. My parents, my husband, mm-hmm. you know. But the reality is they're people too. Exactly. They're human. Exactly. And man, it, you know, it really kind of me working through that thought, it just changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's when something kind is done to me or for me, it, it just changes. It, it's, it's different because I don't expect it. Right. You know, it's like, not that I'm out here fending for myself necessarily, but it's just totally different when I don't expect things because I'm not let down when it doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and raising kids, especially these days, it's God, we have a lot to teach them a lot. Have you seen that Facebook post that is apologizing to your kids because the world that I thought I was bringing you into is not what it is. And that really hits home. I have, um, I know two people that, do not have children mm-hmm. and do not plan to because you're like, I'm not bringing a kid in this. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, Oh my God. Like that's, that's hardcore. That, that is hardcore. <laughs> that's hardcore. That is super. But I'm like, you know, I kind of get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, God, cause sometimes it sucks mm-hmm. and having to process and go through all the crazy stuff politically, socially, emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, yeah. physically, even, yeah. you know, it's like, with us trying to do the best we can for them without doing it for them. Yeah. That's like having biracial children, hmm. you know, at some point that'll be an issue for somebody. Oh yeah. Now it is 2021. That's not as uncommon, but I have to prepare them somewhere. Somebody is going to say something not nice to you because your daddy is white and your mom is black. So at what point do you start that? When, I mean, when do you, 
you know, we're just, you know, we've been on, you know, we're very honest. Of course, my child, he's, you know, the oldest one. There's not a lot of questions. And, you know, most of a lot of his friends, they don't really know the difference that, you know, mommy and daddy don't match. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but we're, you know, when it comes up, we're honest, like, well, you're, you're white and you're black. And it was so funny when I was pregnant with him. I was at a ch- at a church uh, festival or whatever, and this little girl came up to me. This is the cutest thing, and she's a little white girl. And so she, you're having a baby. I said, yeah. And I thought it was so cute. She asked me. She said, well, what color is it going to be? Number one, I thought it was cute because she didn't automatically assume it would be brown like me. Mm-hmm. And so I told her I was like, uh, well, it's going to be white, and it's going to be black. And she looked at me. She goes. Oh, well, that's cool. And just walked <laughs> off. And I still to this day wonder what picture that little girl right. had in her mind. But like, like it didn't. Squirrel? Yeah. Or what? <laughs> but it didn't phase her. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, she couldn't have been five, six, you know? Yeah. So, um, but. Um, Do you worry about their, about their journey being biracial? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, because we're. I have friends with older biracial kids in this community who have not had the best experiences. Like Um, you said, though, I think times have changed. Yes. Yeah. And it's more accepted. Like it's anything to accept. Yeah. It's it's, it's not as. It's not as taboo. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's the only going to be the only biracial kid that we're we're going to see. You know, like. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. because really, it's, you know, we look at, like, when we have his birthday parties, you know, I'm like, a majority of his little friends are biracial, mm. you know, and, and it's who you surround yourself and the people that we surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a best little friend um, that that was in class with him last year, and they're in the same class this year. And, and he's, he's a little white boy, but, you know, like, his mom and dad raise him to not see color you're going to love. And... It's just who you surround yourself with. So that in turn changes who our kids are surrounded by. So too, they are very fortunate. Um, you know, but the world's not always going to be like that right. for him. You know, he's right. going to step yeah, out gonna into the real somebody. world. Yeah, there's going to be somebody who's going to say something. He's not going to be black enough or he ain't going to be white enough. It's going to happen. Do you worry about that mainly for the boys? Or, or all just of them. all of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend last night and she has biracial children Mm -hmm. and she's probably, I think she's 49. So Mm -hmm. she's a little bit older than, than we are. Um, but then her grandson is, so her mom's, his mom's biracial and his dad is black. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she comes my friend comes from a very small town in rural Kentucky Mm -hmm. and she was talking about the kids just treating him different because they're not, there's no diversity Mm -hmm. anywhere in their world. And I remember I was, you know, kind of thinking back about, about my kids when they were really little. And I remember moving my oldest son from a small, um, Baptist, daycare which um 
didn't get any outside funding, so mm-hmm. it was apparently, you know, yeah. kind of well-to-do yeah. parents, you know, right? Yeah. They'd qualify for whatever. Um, all white. I moved him to Emanuel Baptist, or Emanuel Preschool mm-hmm. yeah. on Main Street. Uh-huh. Because I wanted him to have diversity. Have that diversity, yeah. And I'm telling you, that was the best thing I could have done. My son grew up playing sports. He grew up around Burmese, um, black children, Bosnian kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, he grew up around a, a diverse group in yeah. a school that's not, you know, it, Greenwood's not that diverse. Right. I mean, a little bit. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's, it's way it's, different than what it was. Yeah. yeah, but it's still not great. Yeah. So I was, I remember, so one of um, the kids, the Burmese, I think he was Burmese, um, when they started kindergarten, he had, I remember he had just come to America and he had like green ash on his forehead mm-hmm. and he used to growl at people all the time. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> Noah befriended him and growing up, this boy was like at their senior. So my son played basketball at their senior game. You know, they made fat heads for the kids. Yeah. And this boy was the one with Noah's fat head. Yeah. And they grew up from kindergarten. Yeah. And it's, he's a Burmese kid. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so thankful that I, that I changed the path that he mm-hmm. was on to add diversity. I mean, I remember I pulled him out because of that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he did, no, he yeah. is not. He, I come from a diverse background being in military mm-hmm. um, prior to moving to, to Bowling Green. I was the only white kid in my classes. I came from a different environment and I wanted him to experience as much of that mm-hmm. as I could give him because it, it, I didn't want him to grow up right. in a white yeah. washed environment. Yeah. And I'm telling you that was one of the best. And he never, you know, he was a jock but he never fit in or he never didn't fit in with anyone because right. of his, his friend choices and the different sports he played and the kids he grew up with and befriended, you know, and I was really proud of that. Yeah. That he, he grew up and still to this day, you know, some, he, he has some great friends that he continued from high right. school, you know, and it's like, why even in this town that's predominantly white, there's, there's no reason to to stay or to be afraid of anything different Mm -hmm. you know there's plenty like you said bowling green's a melting pot yeah we have tons of different nationalities nationalities. and it's like why limit yourself you have to i mean you have to be intentional if you want your kid to learn how to love everybody and be diverse you have to be intentional and and being open and mm -hmm. honest with them and and understanding like we're not all the same we're not we're not all made the same and i'm so happy for that yes can you imagine? It would be awful. If everyone was like me or everyone's like you. Yeah. How boring is that, right? Yeah, like Exactly. There's this country was founded with immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know? This this country we'd be nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's it kills me to think about my children not having diversity growing up. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, your situation with your kids is gonna be really interesting. Yeah. It, and it, I think it's just be. about keeping them exposed to yeah. everybody. Yeah. And honest. Just honest. being honest. And, oh, my gosh. You know, our oldest son goes to a private school, a phenomenal school right now. You know, just w- with COVID and all the things, knowing that I cannot mentally handle 
<laughs> virtual school. Oh my God. You we know, talk about it. Yeah. Right? So it works, but you, we're going to have to make that decision in the next year or two. He's going to have to, we're going to have to make the move just for his social development. Right. You got to see the world as it is. You mm-hmm. know, it's it, like I said, it's a great, great program, but you know, it doesn't look like the rest of the world. Mm-mm. I'm sure not everybody's going to be nice. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be. And you're going to have to learn how to, because he's, he's a little tender hearted. Yeah. He's soft. <laughs> so, you know, now the other two little rugrats, now I think they're going to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how you could have three different children and they're all so different. Mm-hmm. Are you going to choose where they go or are you just going to go where they're zoned? We're still up in the air. Okay. We're up in the air because you know here we've got you can go to a city school you can go to a county which you know from nashville city county not a thing there yeah you just it's all one um but really i guess mostly for you know job and convenience because our school system is phenomenal on both sides here so mm-hmm. it's a win-win situation wherever he goes where we're zoned um where we're zoned is a good school where he could go. He went to preschool um, at Ridge Pond, which would be where I would like him to go back. Um, but if he doesn't, he's still going to do fine Yeah, at his own school. So, um, you know, or he might go to a city school. I don't know. I've kind of been twin with like TC Cherry diversity. Yeah. You know, like, and it's a great school, you know, so. Um, do you think diversity I mean, I think it, it just helps everyone. I don't care how you look at it. But do you think there'll be more issues for him being biracial in a more diverse school? Or do you think that'll be better for him? I think it'll probably be better. Because here's where it's going to be the problem. When he wants to have a little girlfriend. Oh, damn dad. Yep. That's exactly. And do I think it'll be a problem if he like if he wants to date a little black girl? Probably not. Mm. But... If he likes a little white girl, that may or may not be an issue. It might not. It might not. But. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's just something that I have to prepare myself for. But is that something that you. Uh, that's tough. It's very tough. That's really tough. Yeah. And I don't want to sway my children. You love what you right, love. Absolutely. You love. So absolutely. Let, I mean, we're going to let them. You know, but, you know, we had neighbors um, that lived across the street from us and I watched their kids grow up and they were, they were biracial and I never will forget, you know, their son, sweet kid, awesome kid. And actually dad's biracial, mom is white. So that Mm. takes it down a notch a little bit, you know, (laughs) so, but when he dated this little girl and the dad was like, his hair looks a little different. Like what? And she told him, you know, what well, his dad's biracial. Cut that off. Are you kidding? Yeah. And then, um, the couple next door to them, they're a biracial couple. They've got four kids. And I don't know the story that has triggered some of her Facebook rants about, you know, if you don't love my kids for who they are or whatever, but I would say that her kids too have had to suffer from, you know, just and not being accepted or because. Do you think that has something to do with the zoning? Like the school? I just think it's. People. People. Yeah. Man. I think it's just people. It's just a whole, like you said, biracial 
kids just have a whole it's they have more than one thing to combat right like it's yeah black and white yes yeah and then like so when we mark a box like you know you go fill out stuff oh, you still have to choose then one over the father. other yeah like it yeah by your father though right the father i think it's supposed to oh well see, so that means you would mark all your children white. white yeah they're not white no they're not oh my god so you gotta so how do you tell your kid you know check both of them so i take, check them both <laughs> None of your business. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Like, I mean, and I still don't even know why that's a thing. Like, no, yeah, you, you for know. real. Like, biracial should be an option. And this day, like, because that's where we're at. You know. That gets me, that reminds me, totally different topic here. But it's like taxpayer and spouse on our tax forms. Oh, Let see, me tell you what. Here's the funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the taxpayer is always the man. Yes. Right? Yeah. In a heterosexual marriage. Now... Is probably not really the time to go into this. However, so I have, I own several companies. My husband's retired, yeah. right? Like I make way more money than him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the one meeting with the CPA. I'm the one dishing over the stuff. I'm like, here's all my businesses. Here's this. And oh, and here's his one pay stub yeah. from the state. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> you're right. Whatever. And he's still the taxpayer and I'm still a spouse. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? That's are See, you kidding that me? chaps me. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Same thing. I'm like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. yeah so That's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, like, but I will say this. I feel like with generations and a lot of, like, his friends and his friends' parents, like, people are very intentional about their kids being exposed to diversity. And they, you know, they take it in and they appreciate it and they're using it. So we have been very fortunate. It sounds like you're surrounded with the right people. We are. We are. We, I mean, yeah, the people who are in our lives, we're very blessed. Um, And I know not everybody gets that experience, you know, not everybody has this experiences Mm -mm. that, you know, I had a wonderful childhood. I mean, yes, I was the first black female in a predominantly white male career field but it went okay you know i mean yeah there's a stroke there's i mean you have there's some hurdles it's different yeah. yeah but you know that's okay and you know you know my kids you, have an experience do you think it was okay because of your attitude about it probably and and i have to credit that to my parents yeah but you know they raised me around all different types of people you know like that gives me hope with my kids yeah because I, I refuse, I mean, and again, it, you know, I've done what I can. Yeah. And, and I have, you know, tons of different types of friends, mm-hmm. right? But I want them to have, if they're in a situation, to be able to have that same attitude, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm the yeah. first, hey, I'm here, whatever. Yeah. You know, even though my children are white. Right. So they probably will never be a first of anything. Right. But I still want them to have a great attitude moving forward in their career when they're faced with issues and whatever else. Right. And and that's, I mean, that, and that's huge. I mean. Yeah. Like, and that's all. We I just love have your to, parents. I haven't even met them. Man, they are, they are gold. I mean. Do they just, set the bar so high? It's so hard to. So high. 
<laughs> you know, like if is that I hard? Half oh the parents that they were to me. Oh my gosh, winning! Like oh I mean, gosh. I just they are they were so selfless. They just you know I don't even know. I mean, there are no words for. Do you think it's a benefit that each of you were kind of only children? They were able yeah. to give mm-hmm. everything to I think you, so. yeah. Because the other two were much older, yeah. and either yeah. one was grown, and the other was yeah much older. Yeah, and of course they got more. You know, they were more financially stable. And, yeah, you know, to give me the the upbringing. So you scored. Oh, scored <laughs> big time. And, you know, and I still like right now something was wrong. I'm gonna oh, call my dad. dad. Yeah, I'm gonna call my dad. So, so. Your your older two siblings are boys, got uh, yes. brothers, right? Mm-hmm. So are they? Were they ever jealous of you? No, I mean, well, I mean, not that I could tell, you know, like you know, they, you know, I like guess they a, were far a mm-hmm. the the distance was far enough to where they weren't really jealous. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like they were like three years right. older, and they're like, yeah, oh. we were so in our different stages of life. Yeah, you know, so that's cool. Yeah, and like I said, my oldest brother, you know, I was older. I was an adult pretty much when. Mm. We reconnected, so. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but it's uh, interesting. Isn't yeah, it? and it. But I, I just have I have a great family. Like you know, my grandmother, ninety three years old. She passed August twenty ninth, and that was my last grandparent. But you know, it, it started there. Like my both sets of grandparents were amazing people. You know, family was huge. And and the importance of family, and we did family reunions and we still do family reunions because they want to make sure that you know like I know you need to know where you come from Mm -hmm. you know and family family over everything you know and and we're tight and it's a little tough these days because things don't look the way they always have you know people have passed on you know all the grandparents are passed on you know my mom, you know, is battling Alzheimer's. So, you know, there's that hurdle. You know, it's just, it's so. Things are changing. Things are changing. And, you know, I've gone, you know, went a solid 38 years of just, I had family that poured into me from every direction. And my grandparents who were all four very proud, very proud. Um you know, and have everything to do with why I'm here today. You know, there's so many lessons that I learned from every single one of my grandparents, you know, that. Have you, have you, and I'm I'm assuming you have, but have you been able just to thank them? You know, probably not in the way I wished I would have. Yeah. Because you you get older and you appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably not like I really wished I would have. And, you know, I did. You know, I got to talk to my, my grandmother four or five days before she passed. And it's like, you know, I knew, you know, that that was probably going to be the last time. But, you know. Now, I will say we did get to do a 50th anniversary for my mom's parents, which would have been for the grandmother just passed and then my grandfather uh, they were the last two sets that passed on. My grandfather died in 2013, and then, you know, she died just here recently. And so there were times, yeah, I guess, but, man, they were so proud. 
you know, but, but they were the example, you know, like they, you know, she taught school for 38 years and, you know, put herself through college while raising three kids young, you know, they had kids really young. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my granddad, um, worked at the national city club for years. It's where he started well young in his raising his kids. You know, he played football at Tennessee state university and led him to Nashville and, you know, he started out as head major D and just worked his way up from there, you know, and just seeing how much he was respected, mm-hmm. you know, and then my grandmother and, you know, and then my dad's mom and my dad's dad, you know, it just, I look at it. I have no, there was no, I couldn't have, I couldn't have turned out. I, 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 I success was the only way, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. You were set up. Yeah. You had all the tools. Mm-hmm. And you ran with it. Yeah. Because you didn't have to run with it. No, I didn't. Like, you get that right. Yeah. Like, you could have been a turd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been a, you know, a turd. Yeah. That's awesome. But they, yeah. So, they surrounded me with good people, and I'm just going to try to do the same for my kids. And, you know, I try to speak compassionate to others and be nice. Be kind, just be kind always. Yeah. Love people. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Especially coming from someone in the police, you know, a police officer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's huge because yeah. you're a human. You want to be kind. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when you, when you don't think about people as, or police officers as human, you mm-hmm. forget. Yeah. That they're human. Yeah. And, my principle in doing this job in the 18 and a half years is I treat people the way I would want my family members, not even me, my family members to be treated and my friends to be treated if they had to interact with the police. And if you stick to that principle, you'd be all right. But I would never want my friends or, or you or anybody to have like a negative experience. So that's, you know, that's good stuff. Yeah. And to me, it's simple. Yeah. It's not that simple. I mean, it's not that simple to process for yeah. everybody. But just treat people the way you would want your and family members to be And you've seen some stuff, treated. girl. You've been, you, <laughs> yeah. you've been around the block a time or four, yeah. right? Yeah, like, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've seen some stuff. When did you leave patrol? How long ago? Um, technically, January 1 of 2020. So, so how many years was that? I Six- started in 2003. So, okay, so well, it's 17? About 17 years. Yeah, so you've seen a, a little, bit, little bit of things oh, yeah. going on. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, the things, like one of the little things that people don't realize is seeing death. Mm. And you're, even in the, in the town this size, these patrol officers, whether it's violent death or natural death, they're going to see that. I average once every two weeks where the typical human seeing a funeral here or there, that's a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So, and then you tack on the disparity that you see and the, just how terrible other humans can be to other humans. Is that just policing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 
there's no like when you're walking up to somebody's door to change their life forever for the worst mm-hmm. because you're about to tell them somebody you love is no longer here. And usually if I'm telling you this was not somebody sick and we can prepare for it. Right. You know, um, you know, so that's, that's the weight that police officers carry that people have no idea. So I have a, a story regarding that with my husband. He was on crime scene processing mm-hmm. and did a lot of yeah. things, mm-hmm. autopsies and all this stuff. We were in a, um, a shop, like a, a, uh, I don't know. It was some sort of a shop. It was a shop in Louisville at like kind of down the, um, it wasn't a thrift shop, but it was some sort of a, you know, artsy, you know, whatever. And there was a light fixture that was kind of clear Mm -hmm. and it was, it was kind of snaked around like it was a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he visibly, his countenance changed and he turned around and walked out and we're walking, you know, we were walking through there just kind of looking around. We're going to buy anything, but just window shopping or whatever. And I followed him out and I'm like, what, like, are you know, what's going on? And it, that light fixture reminded him of an infant's intestines. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, where he had seen an autopsy yeah. of a baby. Yeah. And he'd been retired, you know, he was already retired, it, you mm-hmm. know, wasn't, I guess that long from retirement, but he carried that with him. And that was from years before. Mm-hmm. It just, it just reminded him. Yeah. I mean, and people don't realize what police mm-hmm. carry around with them. No. I mean, I, it, I mean, what do you, you know, what do you say to that? No. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, disturbing it's upsetting it's all these things but i mean it's still it, it affected him after years, yeah, years after years. yeah he was finished with that part of his career you know yeah. and i mean it's kind of like military it's like none of us can even fathom what has to be given in order for the job right. to be done right and like you said before we started recording sometimes you just have to have a switch and turn it mm-hmm. off but things creep out, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get reminded of things. Yeah. You or... can't see that day in and day out and it not stick. I mean, something is going to, you know, I have, you know, I have names of people that I'll never forget that I dealt with or, you know, visuals of mm-hmm. things, you know. So I get it. Like, and, and that's crazy. You can be walking through the store and everything is so fine. And then, boom, I'm I mean, at an yeah. infant's intestines up there. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that comes from. Because I'm big on therapy. We all need it. I have a great one. (laughs) Um, You know, and I had to have somebody walk me through why our bodies react to that. And when there's levels of readiness, normal people every day, they stay in the white. They're not on guard at all. But police officers, because you have to be ready to react and you have to be ready for somebody to react to you, but just simply because you're wearing this uniform, um, we idle yellow orange and of course red is the high alert right. like we're ready right but we idle there 20 years of your life you idle in the yellow and the and orange and then a lot of times you're pinging Ultimately in the red. red yeah yeah so 
mentally when things are good because your body is so accustomed to idling and that high level of alertness we're constantly programmed to be ready for something bad to happen so if your body does that for 20 years everything will be good in life and as soon as everything gets good it's that your body trying to hit that eject button because you are anticipating the bad right so you have to learn how to mentally deflect those things and i mean like for me knowing what the mind is doing has helped tremendously um I worked a very bad case right before Christmas, right after Christmas in 2018, or I think it was 18, maybe been 17. And a girl was pretty violently murdered in a house, but still nothing that I haven't seen before, you know, but this particular one just kept bothering me. And we were on our way to our Christmas party. Everything was good. And like, we're riding down the road. And the next thing I know, I'm crying because I'm thinking about this girl. The problem is, and what I didn't realize at the time, is the house where she got murdered, I have to pass it every time I go to my house. At the time, I had to pass it every time I went to my own house. Hmm. So my body was reliving that. You know, I watched the people clean all her stuff out. I watched the people move out. Like, you know, because every time you pass the house, you see something going on. Another glimpse of what of was what, going yeah, on. Yeah, as to where other situations, once you left the scene, once you're done with it. Oh my gosh. But having, not realizing that that's what was going on. And when I got so upset in the car, we had to go past the house. We were leaving to go to the Christmas party and we had to go, you know, so it's like a trigger. It's a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And still, every time I pass that house, I think about that lady. Even though we don't live over there anymore. You you just saying, think of that lady. Mm -hmm. That, that tells me that. Even though it was a murder scene, like you said, you've seen many times mm-hmm. or similar scenes many times, you still looked at her like a lady. Yes. She was a person. Mm-hmm. Whatever her situation mm-hmm. was, she was a person. Yeah. And that's that's the way we see them all. Like, you know, they're all still people. And, and some of them have been dealt shit hands. Totally. Absolutely. And here we are talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The worst, the hardest, hardest ones are the fatalities, of like, you know, collisions, where you look at somebody and, like, literally 10 minutes ago, their life was fine, mm. and now they're gone. So the biggest thing is life is short. That is a big thing, you know, like, that's, that's tough. To, those are really tough to process. You know, the last one, she was headed to her bestie's birthday party. Had her present in the back seat. All oh was gosh. well. And like that. It's over. Life was over. Life was over. And you're staring that in the face. So, you know, that gives us a lot to deal with. Another reason to love your babies, right? Every day. Yep. Every day, love your friends, love your, love your spouse, love your, love your family. Tell people you love them because I see every day face to face tomorrow is not promised. I don't know. I mean, you know, you don't want to get upset over that, but it's like, oh my God, you see it. 
You see it. In the flesh. You know, I do want to comment one more, one, make one more comment about our local police department. I stay on the right side of the law. Right. I don't typically, I mean, I think I have a ticket under my belt or something. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing that good, right? Or nothing that bad. <laughs> um, but how I know you guys are doing your, a great job is because I don't hear, I don't see, mm-hmm. I don't, my world, and granted I'm coming from a place of privilege and I understand that, but things are handled. They're handled well. Mm-hmm. I don't hear, see, or anything on the news. It's like, I mean, obviously things make the news, but you guys are doing such a great job that it doesn't bleed out into the rest mm-hmm. of everything else. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And you're part of it. Well, we try. It's it's a tough challenge because we know. can't keep everybody happy, but you know, we but that is that that is what we strive. That is what we strive. I know. mean, um, you know, there's always crazy stuff happening yeah. and you know, with all the social media and Twitter and especially Twitter, right? Well, yeah. All the crazy stuff gets out. But I'm telling you, my you know, like you guys are handling it. Yeah. I mean, and we're in a fortunate situation, but we live in a great community too. We got yeah. a great community of people. We do. And that helps. Absolutely does. Yeah. And you have support. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, I enjoyed it. Me too. Really, so. Me too. Hopefully um, you'll come back. And I will. we can talk about some more stuff. Yeah. We got all the things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Thanks.